Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Monday installment of the program brought to you by The Best Bet. Uh, we love our friends at The Best Bet with three fantastic locations. St. Augustine's a new one. It is beautiful. You know that Orange Park location. The big one is at Monument Road in Jacksonville. You want to have a lot of fun. Head to The Best Bet. Boy, oh boy, you'll enjoy it. You'll make some cash. You'll make some friends. It's a great opportunity. Head to The Best Bet. Frangie Carlion Brooks, Andrew Gibson with you. Whew, what a whirlwind weekend. Disappointing loss. Disappointing loss. I guess that's what it starts with. Tough game. They battled. Um, disappointing loss. You said you took the loss hard. I did. I think the moment that Mahomes got his ankle twisted, I was convinced the Jaguars were winning that game. Right. At no point did I think the Chiefs are going to be able to overcome this and, and win. And so when the final seconds ticked off the clock, I thought, I can't believe this. Yeah. I can't believe with him looking the way he did that they're not going to be able to win this game with Trevor Lawrence. Can't give Chad Henney a 98-yard touchdown drive. No, no, that I mean, good. that basically is what if, – if this was a year – if the Jaguars were as far along their journey as Buffalo is, this would have been devastating because there were plays to be made. Um, I think because it was such a magical run and because they went much further and accomplished so much more than any of us thought they would, it was much easier to smile even through the disappointment. Um but, I mean, if you're just talking about the game, no one really made a play above the X's and O's. And there were many plays that weren't made that certainly you have to make in the playoffs. Yeah. So, it, so it, it's, it was an odd feeling because you felt like they didn't play particularly well, but it was only a seven-point game. Right. and uh, But they're not really supposed to be here, so it's hard to be overly upset. At least that's how I was. It, it felt like... It was much easier to think about the positives than to languish over the the game, but this will be the last year that they can do that. Well, Obviously, if this happens yeah. next year, yeah. it's going to be devastating. Well, well, and again, there's thirty two, there's thirty two teams in the NFL. Thirty one of those teams, their season either ends with a loss or a win that didn't matter. Okay, there's only one that ends the season with a win that matters. Of so the other thirty, the other thirty one, you either that's it. A loss, a win that doesn't matter, or a loss. So, so I, I, was, I said, telling uh, Joe and Matt and me at the handoff, I can't remember the last time a loss in the minds, of, not just me, I mean, in, in the minds, I mean, being around yesterday, going for walks, seeing people at the grocery store, seeing people out and about. I can't remember the last time a loss turned into conversation about how great the run was that fast. A lot of times, losses stays with you for a few weeks, and then and then when you finally get over it, then you're like, oh, well, you know what? It really was a great season. It was this. Everybody I bumped into yesterday, we got home at like I think I got I think we got home at two or three in the morning on on Saturday or Sunday morning. But everybody I bumped into yesterday, what a season! What a run! How about those Jags? How about the I heard everywhere. There was way more of that than ah. Now again, we all we all felt it at the time, but so but I think that's the story of the season is the run. 96 was like that. 96, losing up there. The Otis Smith had the interception in the back of the end zone that kind of sealed it for the Patriots. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And, and, but a day later, can you believe it? Can you believe they almost went to the Super Bowl? 17, not as much. Because 17, you felt like you might have had the better team and Miles Jack wasn't down and all that. But this, so, so, but that was. So, yeah, so today on the program, 
I want to talk about the game. I want you to hear, as soon as we come back from our first break, we're going to hear some comments from folks who caught up with the locker room. We're going to do that in our first segment, our second segment. And then we'll talk about what the run, the magic, what it did for this city. Talking about galvanizing. And, hey, you say it uh, as eloquently as anybody of how sports can unify. And I, and I, I, want, to, you, you used, I don't want to take your words, but, boy, did we see it um, this, this year and this, this last month and a half of Jaguars football. What an emotional season. It starts with the ultimate emotion. Our guy goes into the Hall of Fame. And we're all there in Canton watching it happen. That, the emotion of that, uh, that started out this emotional season. Then they got off to this great start, and wow. And then they struggle for a, a month and a half. Wow. And then they're good again. Wow. And all, next thing you know, then they've got these two playoff games at home, and I'm counting the Titans as a playoff game. They have these two home playoff games, and they, and they win them in dramatic fashion. And, I mean, think about the emotions, this, this ride, this movie. You couldn't write a better script. This is a Spielberg movie, isn't it? And, and the way it ends. So, so that I think that's the story. So we'll get to that and what it meant. And, I, and I'm going to weigh in a lot. I know we all will. The three of us are from here. Gibby's a diehard Jags fan, too. So the four of us certainly are, are emotionally invested. The game was pretty simple. Uh, it's the three plays everybody talked about. It, 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 we, we've all talked about the same three plays. Um, the drop by Kirk. Uh, Luakon not being able to come up with a tipped interception. And then the Agnew fumble. The cruel irony is without those three guys, they're nowhere near that game. Sure, they're nowhere. They're, they're 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 playing golf. They're in a boat. They're hanging out. You know, they're on the beach. Without those three guys, you're nowhere near that game. Yeah, and, and Aluakans would have been a tough play. It would have been a tough play. Yeah, I mean, they kind of well, yeah. Agnews was was uh, yeah. was an unforced error, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kirk's a play you'd love to make, yeah. but it's not like Correct. Yes. the worst drop I've ever seen. Yeah. But that was the thing. They just It was like they just couldn't make the plays you have to make yeah. to advance to, yeah. to title. And, and, and I think the reason they lost was bigger than all three plays, and yeah. I'll get to what I think it was in a minute. But the bottom line is everyone's talking about those three plays, those three wonderful players. Uh, what we're going to talk all do, I, 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 in my heart of hearts, I don't think Agnew, I don't think it was a catch. I don't. I don't think they would have overturned it, even if they had looked at it, which they should have done. I'm astounded they didn't look at it, like really look at it. I know they look at every turnover, but I'm, I'm uh, the, the stop it and let the referee, Hockley, really go look at it. I'm surprised they didn't. I do not think it was a catch, but I also don't think it would have been overturned because it was that close. But, it, again, I'm not blaming the officials. That's just my opinion. But uh, and, and that's probably a teal-colored glasses opinion, but it is my opinion. Regardless of why I have it, I have it. Um, but we'll talk about the game, uh, how it got away, where we're headed, um, and then, then the experience, this great experience, this, this wonderful journey these guys took us on and what it means to the city, what it means moving forward. That'll be our show today. We'll talk a lot about that. We'll get to some other things in the NFL. Uh, wild weekend in the NFL. Um, have, the, have the Bengals passed the Bills? And will they pass the Chiefs? If you go to back-to-back Super Bowls, you've passed everybody. Yep. And, so, and so we'll see whether or not that happens. So we'll certainly have that conversation coming up. When we come back, though, Hayes, as always, it is outstanding work in the locker room. You'll hear from some key Jaguar players. That's how we'll kick off the program. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This team had the first overall pick the last two years. And they just went and took the best team in the AFC to the mat. All the way. And, they, and had plays to win. And they didn't make them. But overall, this season is a wild success. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Hey, we're glad you're with us. That was Tony Baselli from The Drill this morning. Frangie Carly and Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson with you. Glad you're along for the ride on this Monday. Brought to you by our friends at The Best Bet. Um, 
I want you to hear from some of the players. We got a lot of thoughts, but uh, they matter more than we do right now. Hayes does a great job all year long. Hayes, uh, thanks. I appreciate those guys. We appreciate that. Um, uh, Three of the new guys were real key reasons why this team got as deep as they did. You're going to hear from three new guys that were on the team for the first time. Zay Jones was the deep threat. He had some gigantic games. Um, He certainly is emotionally invested in this team. And Hayes caught up with Zay uh, after the game on Saturday night. Nobody goes behind the scenes and inside the locker room better than Hayes Carline. Here's Hayes with another one-on-one on The Frangie Show. We're pleased to be joined with Jaguars receiver Zay Jones here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. And it's great to see. I know it's a tough loss, but you guys accomplished so much this year. As you reflect on the whole year, Zay, what, what's gonna, what are you going to remember about this group? I think just the, uh, the love that we had for each other, the, the effort, the adversity we went through. The games that we we overcame, and um, just the memories, the memories, the smiles, man. It's a special group, and I'm very thankful and humbled to be a part of it. Is there a comeback that'll resonate the most with you when you look back fondly on this season? You mean a specific game? Yeah. You're saying? Um, I don't know. I'll have to give it some time to really uh, settle in. Uh, you know, this, we took we just took a very very hard loss. You know, we wanted that one. <laughs> Um, but I'm grateful to have competed with these men in this locker room, for sure. What stood out about what the Chiefs were able to do today? Um, it, I would have to really take some time to evaluate the entire situation, but I can say for us that you can't make a lot of mistakes against a quality football team like that. You can't give them anything. Um, you know, you have to make them earn it. Um, and Andy Reid has definitely proven over the course of time um, the coach that he is, you know, the, the pedigree that he has. Um, you know, Travis and Patrick and, you know, I could really name all of the players, you know what I'm saying, with a healthy respect to them. But we knew the type of team that they were, and we really – we were right there. We just fell short. What does this group mean to you, Christian, Marvin, Jamal, all the guys in that receiver's room? Marv's my guy. i got a lifelong friend in Marv now. Um, very blessed to have met him and worked with him. His first-class um, mentor and friend, Christian, competitor, great friend, um, lovable guy, man, just awesome person to work with. Tim Jones, laid back. Even kill special special man doesn't say much, but when he does, you need to listen. Jamal Agnew, funny, could just make you laugh all day. You know, creative. Um, just love that guy. KP, I go down the list, man, all day of guys like KP, Seth, Jalen. <laughs> who else? Who else am I missing? They're gonna get mad if I don't say their name. Kevin Austin, bang, got it. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very special group to be a part of, and I'm, I'm blessed to have them. Zay, what kind of growth did you see out of Trevor this season? Uh, man, I saw a tremendous amount of growth in him. I've seen him adapt to adverse situations. I've seen him composed when things didn't look like they were going his way. I've seen his leadership be expressed vocally and by example. I've seen him stay later in the building. I've seen him study harder, study extra, bringing people along. And um, I think one thing that stands out the most about Trevor is he's not above one man. Uh, as humble as they come. And 
says a lot about the character that he has and how he was raised, for sure. Zay Jones, thanks so much for your time. Congrats on a great year. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Zay Jones with 82 catches, 823 yards, and five touchdowns in the regular season, and then obviously had a uh, had a good game the other night, five catches for 83 yards. Uh, he'll be back, and uh, it'll be exciting to see the receiving core as it, it works in uh, Calvin Ridley as well. He's such a neat guy. He's a different guy. I can see him sitting in a smoking jacket in a reading room reading poetry. I mean, I mean you know what I mean? He's got a, he's he's very very poised, very gathered. He's not in a hurry. You know, he's do you remember the first time you met him? Did he introduce himself as Isaiah to you? I uh, I can't remember that. Did, have you met, have you met him? One I have one? not. First time I met I met him. Um, he, he said, "Hi, Frank. I'm Isaiah." Didn't go by Isaiah. Goes by Isaiah. I mean, that's his name, you know. So, but it was it just and very poised, and we talked for about five minutes, and just very gathered, very very respectful. You know, I mean, he's a he's a he's a neat guy. I mean, they're all neat guys, but it was it was it was cool having him there. Um, We'll we'll talk about this throughout the offseason. I won't talk about it ad nauseum today. But make no mistake, the most important thing they have to do is re-sign Evan Ingram. Whether it's franchise him, whether it's extend him so you can amortize the dollars, somehow, some way, that outstanding tight end that people had trouble covering needs to come back. And Hayes caught up with Evan after the game as well. We're pleased to be joined with Jaguars tight end Evan Ingram here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Uh, I know it's a difficult loss, but uh, can you appreciate on the whole, Evan, what you guys accomplished this year? For sure, um, come a long way. Um, hit some, you know, some some lows, some adversity, and uh, we came out of them. Um, we, you know, grew close as a family, as a brotherhood, and uh, definitely feel like this is just the beginning for us. Is this the tightest team that you've been on? It seems like you guys, from a friendship standpoint, it's it's pretty genuine. One hundred percent, man. Uh, true, true brothers, like true brothers. Uh, and uh, you just you feel it on the field, you feel it off the field, you feel it in the meetings, you feel it in the free time. Like it's a real close knit team, and uh, you know um, that's a big credit to you know how far we came. Was just how close we were. When you think back on this season, Evan, what'll be some moments that you think you'll remember the most fondly? Um, I think winning the division, beating Tennessee twice. Um, Obviously, last week, uh, that comeback. And uh, I think the, the, the regular season game here, where we, you know, we, we lost the first time here. Um, that was when we really kind of hit a switch. I remember that forever. What are some things in, in year two, some nuances that you think you guys will be able to get to with the familiarity and the growth that, that you all have made and the growth that Trevor's made? I mean, I can't really can't really get to get full details on that. I think coaches and everybody has to go through back through the film and um, you know really get a close look at things we did, things that worked, things that didn't. Um, I think everybody deserves some time off, and you know once the off season kind of starts kicking up, and the coaches they're gonna they're gonna get in the lab and, and you know cook up some things, and, and as players we're gonna go improve on things that we know we could be better at too. Evan, thanks so much for your time. Congrats on a great year. Thank you. Man. I have no doubt he's coming back. I mean, at all. Like, so uh, it was an unbelievable year for Evan Ingram. He stayed healthy. Uh, he caught the ball consistently. It was funny listening to Doug today because he talked about there were there were times he feels like the Jaguars really didn't throw the ball well this season. So you can tell with Doug, there is absolutely another level uh, that that this offense can go to, and I think Evan Ingram's going to be a part of that. 
Was he emotional in the post-game locker room? He was. I mean, not like overly, uh, but but yeah. I mean, it was it was it was an emotional locker room. You could tell that uh, it meant a lot to them. Um, you know, it, I wouldn't say like devastated. You know, anything like that. But for a for a group of professionals, yeah, I'd say it was pretty clear that they were uh, they were very bothered by the loss and and the fact that you know. They're not going to be able to play together anymore. That that was real throughout. I mean, their, their genuine friendship and connection that that this team had, it's formed early, and we were sort of talking about it early in training yeah, camp yeah. and things like that. But you didn't really know how it would be, and and for them to remain so close through the five game losing streak in October, uh, it, it really resonated. It, they they wouldn't have been able to have the rally that they had if they didn't really all connect. And and that was definitely evident. I'm going to get back to this, more of this in our next segment, but I'll say this. The Maria Taylor interview with, with um, Zay, Christian, and Evan Ingram, and if you, for people that didn't see it, go find it online. It's really good. I think they showed some of it on TV from what I could tell, but, I don't, but, the, but the whole thing's online. They did. I saw it on TV. Yeah, I know they showed a lot of it on TV. Um, it might have been the whole thing. I don't know, but they showed it. Uh, Evan Ingram, he pretty much said, this saved his football life. He had lost his zeal to play. New York didn't go the way he wanted it to. It had been a long – he now has a zest for football again, and, and which is really cool. And know this. I mean, we'll get, get to this. We have plenty of time to talk about next year. We'll do it later on the show, what they have to do. But know this. More than ever in my lifetime, and I've followed this sport my whole life, I watched John Mackey, who was the first great fast tight end. I watched Ditka as a player, who was one of those guys. We all watched Kellen Winslow and – and the great ones. We watched Tony Gonzalez and, and Antonio Gates. We watched all those guys. But now more than ever, now more than ever, it is not a coincidence that George Kittle and Travis Kelsey are still freaking playing. There's only four teams and left. Dallas Goddard. And Dallas Goddard. There, there, there's, there's only four teams left, okay? There's four teams playing. There's four, there's four left. And Hayden Hurst is and, playing. And Hayden right. Hurst has had a huge effect on, on this thing as well. So understand there's a reason they're playing. There's that 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 tight end who you, who has a heck who you can't match up with, that's a heck of a guy. You got to have that guy, and you have a coach who knows how to use him. So somehow, some way, he will be, and he wants to come back here. There's no question about that. But you got to have that guy. Final interview with Arden Key, another guy that I think impacted the team. Hayes caught up with Arden after the game as well. We're pleased to be joined with Jaguars defensive lineman Arden Key here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Arden, I know a, a tough loss today, but you guys accomplished so much this season. When you think back on this season, what will be some of the fond memories that you have? Ah, oh, man, just how we started. We started, what, 3-7? Three and seven? Um, and just the end, <laughs> And just the end off where we're at now, um, second round of the playoffs. I mean, it, it was, we, we accomplished a lot in Jacksonville alone just since the organization been up. Um, I think this is the furthest. We have been to – well, not the furthest, but close. Um, they ain't made the playoffs since 2017. Um the loudest in the in the stadium since forever. Um, it was it, 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 it was a lot of memories this year. What was it like playing with these guys? Oh, great! I mean, they 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 it was young guys. Um, they had some vets there, but playing with the guys, we 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 are we are a hungry defense. Um, we were starving, um, and I and I and I feel like we got better each and every day, each and every week since the beginning of the season. What were some things today that the Chiefs were able to do well, in your opinion? Ah, they got the ball to 87. That's that's really what it was. Um, they got the ball to their playmakers, and their playmakers made plays. Um, 
I wish we was able to stop them a little bit, um, but I think we, we got a good defense. But like I said, they 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 was feeding it to their horse, and, and their horse was making plays. What's it been like in terms of just the closeness of this team? It seems like offense, defense, that there's a genuine connection here. Have you sensed that? Definitely. It's a genuine care. We genuinely love each other. Um, just coming after this loss, um, a lot of people were saying, we're going to be here next year. Um, and it was coming from different guys. We're going to be here next year. We're going to be here next year. And a lot of guys do believe it. And some things that we left on the field-wise that we probably could have got and been the winners here today but we didn't get that um but a lot of these guys haven't been to the playoffs uh this is the first time that they experienced the playoffs and being here in the playoffs so now we know you got to go through kc and get to the big dance they're not they're in our uh, conference rather so we got to see them we got to study them and make sure that the next time we play them here in this stage that we get the w I know that a lot of the Jaguar fans are hopeful you'll be back. Uh, are you hoping to make this your home? Definitely hoping to make Bring this make this home. I'm all in. It's all up to Trent and those guys to make sure that everything is good to go. But I'm here to stay, and I want to stay. Arden Key, thanks so much for your time. Congrats on a great season. Yeah, I hope he stays. Four and a half sacks, and uh, it really felt like his contributions were consistent. He had 15 quarterback hits in the regular season. And uh, for a rotational player, I thought really made a huge impact. And, you know, again, that was the message that Doug really emphasized today when he wrapped up the season with reporters is, you know, they're going to try to re-sign all these guys. I mean, they don't want a single guy to leave in free agency. And, uh, you know, it was really interesting hearing him talk about Evan and, you know, that he, to your point, Frank, he saw, uh, I thought this was a really uh, good quote from Doug. He said, uh, he saw the joy in Evan's eyes when they met this morning. Yeah. You know, I mean, this it, you can just tell that this this was a year that I think resonated for a lot of these guys, particularly the the guys that gambled on themselves. I you know I, I'd love to think that Evan Ingram, Jawan Taylor, Arden Key, all those guys are back, and uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see the the puzzle that Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson now have to build. We're going to take a break. When we come back, that is a perfect segue to where I want to go next. The experience, the joyride, and the future, and how we can connect those two ideas. I'll explain after the break. I said a little earlier, just equal parts crushed by the the loss, and that our season ends here, and knowing how close we were, and then on the on the flip side, being proud of, of what we were able to do and accomplish, and what we were able to overcome. I mean, it's I'm gonna have more time to think about it and reflect on it. <clears throat> we'll have plenty of time to do that, and it's gonna make us better. And this this won't be. This won't be the last you guys hear of us, so we're going to be back. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. The comments of Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence, the 23-year-old who just in year two made it to the playoffs and won a playoff game but obviously fell short Saturday night against the Chiefs. The winner open series is back at Best Bet Jacksonville from January 26th through February 6th. Satellites into event number one, a $400 NLH tournament, and the $2,000 NLH main event are happening now. So make sure you get by the best bet, Jacksonville. Again, that begins in three days. So to me, Frank, there are so many positives from this season. But I think, above all, the best thing that could have happened is that Trevor Lawrence has playoff experience. Yeah, oh, no question. It, 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 among all the positive things he does, and he's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. We'll get to that for sure. Um, as we talk this whole off season, I'll tell you this. 
I've thought long and hard about the way this whole thing went. Number one, the joyride. And it connects to where I'm going with the future. I, the, by the, the brigade party, I, I had not been to one of those in a few years. Cap and the brigade folks, tip of the cap. You guys did it. They did it. So, this guy, Cap, John Capuno, if you don't know Cap, he and his, how hard they work to get blocks of tickets to find an area to tailgate where everybody could park that drives to, to almost rent out this whole bar. So, uh, the work they do to have, to have Jaguar fans have joy together is spectacular. And, and, and our guy, PCAP, Patrick Cavanaugh, is the one from our group. He runs our group. He said, let's go over there. He, and he, he, he said, come on, let's go. Tony went. I went. Jeff went. We, we, we had a, and it was a, just a fantastic time. And, and thank you for, 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 for that, for all the people that were there. We tried to get to as many of them as we could. We probably get, didn't get to say hello to everybody. But, and Tony was the big star, and just seeing him there was such a big deal for the folks there. So it was a cool thing. But that's kind of where I'm going with this. The connection this team has to this community is I equate it to 96. See, it's been a, like, like a lot of fan bases. It's been a fractured fan base in some areas because you're frustrated with the losing. Even a year ago, right? A year ago from now, you had half the fan base wanted Balky fired and, and they wanted to hire Byron Leftwich and they had the clown faces. And other guys said, well, let's do this. And other people said, let's do this. And, and, and everyone was, everyone was, we're all mad at each, you know, not mad at each other. You know, everyone had different opinions and, 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 and couldn't believe the urban thing went the way and we're still scarred from the urban thing. Trevor was a bust earlier this season. Yeah, yeah, Don't the, forget. The, well, but I'm talking about last year. Okay. But, but you're, but you're right. Early in the season, people were upset with Trevor, but, but I'm talking, but last year, and then this great group got together, this great group of players and coaches, and there have been some ups and some downs, but we're all on the same page now. Every fan thinks kind of the same thing. Yeah, there's some fans that are mad that, that this didn't happen or that didn't happen in the game. But for the most part, the fans are engaged or with each other. You know, uh, everybody wants Trevor to be the quarterback forever. Everybody loves the coach. Most people, even the ones that didn't like Balky, there may be some that are begrudging about it. But there's no denying that together they've built a pretty good little roster here. The free agency brought in are good. The draft picks, for the most part, are good. You know they've done a pretty good job. Pretty good job here. You know, so if you add all that up, the connection between this team and this city is as good as I ever remember it. And, and that's saying something because Baselli and Brunel and and Fred and really connected. But and this team isn't as good as that team became. But but I think you still have some of that. So so because it's so because of this great ride we've been on. I think that's one reason you try and keep it all together. Great locker room, guys that really enjoyed each other, guys that really connect with the fans, guys that, that, that you guys love. Hey, you guys could have picked 10 people for that good guy award, couldn't you? It's the best locker room in the 10 years I've covered the team yes, by yeah. a mile. And I hear that from everybody, yeah. not just you. I hear it from fans that they go to strings for the TV shows they do and that how the, this group connects with these with these guys. It's just amazing stuff. And, and it wasn't like those were bad locker rooms yeah. previously. It's just that this one was exemplary. Yeah, it was yeah. unbelievable and to they, a man. And they connect with the fans the same way they did the media guys, Hayes, and they connect with each other. So so I think you'd write, that's one reason you run it back. The most important thing they can do is keep as many of these guys here. Number one, because they all happen to play. They, they play positions of need. But – I think you run it back and you want it to feel just the way it did, only now with Calvin Ridley. Oh, now with pick – is it 24 or 25? 24. Okay, so now with Calvin Ridley, with pick 24, with uh, at least a free agent or two probably, not a lot if you keep a lot of your guys, with pick whatever, uh, 50s, whatever, okay? You, you know my point. Right. There's two more good players coming 
maybe three more good players coming from the draft. There's Calvin Ridley coming, by all accounts, is in great shape and whatnot. Let's keep this thing together. And I think keeping the culture, the locker room, the connection with the fans, we want to take this joy ride. We want to keep it going. It's just we got to wait till August, right? So I, I think that's one reason you try and keep it. I can tell you, guy by guy, Evan Ingram's going to be on the team. Whether they extend him, franchise him, you'd rather extend him so you can amortize the dollars and not count as much against the cap. He's going to be on the team. You need to make sure that um, I think Juwan Taylor needs to be on the team. Juwan, it, there was a time earlier this year I didn't think they were going to try and keep Juwan. I thought he because Walker Little's coming on and they paid Cam, but they want to keep Juwan. And I can tell you, and I can definitively tell you this: one of the reasons they need to send a message that we got to get guys to the second contract. The Jags haven't done a very good job of that. At some point, you got to send a message. You need guys to hit that second contract. So Ju- I promise you, Juwan Taylor is a priority. Now, everything's got a price, but I promise you he's a priority. Arden Key needs to be a priority. You know what? Dewey needs to be a priority. Number one, he's not going to cost you very much, but he's part of the spirit of this team. He's part of the connection between the team and the locker room and the fans. I think they need to bring Dewey back. I think try to run this back as much as you can, in large part because most of them play really important positions. The uh, – uh, Arden Key, and I'm going to get to this, the one, the most glaring weak area in this team is pass rush. That's the glare, and we'll get to that, but that's the glaring area is pass rush. So, And he's one of the pass rushers. Um, but Evan Ingram, we just talked about the importance of that tight end. So I think keeping them together, Hayes, in my opinion, it's keeping this culture the same, keeping this locker room the same, keeping this magnificent connection with this awesome fan base. That's why I think all this, as you move forward, is important. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you're right about the fans. It was incredible. I didn't get to Kansas City until about midnight Friday night. But uh, Saturday, in terms of uh, doing the kickoff show uh, with Mia and the fans that uh, came over to say hello to us and then seeing just the, the, you know, whether you were at, you know, in line to get the rental car, just, you know, at your gate, you know, for your flight or obviously uh, walking into Arrowhead and and then seeing the the teal in the in the sea of red. It it was remarkable Uh, on short notice how the Jaguar fans responded and got to Kansas City and uh, and let their support be fully known Uh, that that was incredible. And yeah, I, I think that this was an important season. Uh, the fans needed this season. They needed their loyalty to be rewarded, and this team did that. Uh, I think the city needed this season uh, because we needed to be reminded of how this team, and it's our only one uh, in the major professional entities, how this team can bring us together as a community. It's the only thing that does it, and that may be silly. And there may be academics that think that that's ridiculous, but it's just a fact of life. It, you can either be real about it or you can live in a fantasy land, but nothing connects a community like sports. And that's just how we're wired. And it's not just Jacksonville. It's how humans have been wired since the dawn of time. And nothing is ever going to change that. And I think it was really important uh, to see the the throngs of fans that just got so excited and enthusiastic, and I mean, it was it was gripping. I mean, just seeing it. I mean, it, I mean, in every walk of my life, I saw the passion rise uh, for the team, and uh, and and absolutely, I think now everybody's going to be super excited, and uh, it's going to be fun to see 
what this team can do now with some experience, with some confidence, and, and now you're just refining. You're not having to do massive installs and get everybody on the same page. They're going to hit the ground running. Yeah, that's the most exciting part is they now will have the consistency. So as they move into next year, it's all the same systems on both sides of the ball. And I do think, Frank, that they'll try and bring most of those guys back. If one of those guys gets a way better deal elsewhere, so be it. But I tend to think that they'd rather stay here because of how magical the season was and because of how far they got in just the first year under Doug Peterson and, and how great of a guy he is. And, and to Hayes's point, I do think we talked all offseason about how Doug had to rebuild the trust in the locker room. I think the fan base and the team kind of had to rebuild trust with each other too. The, the fan base was so soured on this team. And so watching them be able to succeed as much as they did, those home wins against the Ravens and the Cowboys and the Titans and the Chargers – it it did bring the city to life. If you were doing a a, a movie, uh, remember the Titans or Rudy or Hoosiers or one of those movies, and you wanted a script, you wanted to script it. You could, major league whatever you couldn't script it better than it happened. I mean, if you were writing, if you if I was writing a movie and I'd say, okay, um, they're gonna shock the Dallas Cowboys um, with this unbelievable pick six to end the game, and it's gonna be a walk off. And they're going to have this play. They're going to beat the Ravens, this incredible catch in the corner of the end zone. And then the Titans, the arch nemesis, is, are going to outplay him for a while. But the guy's going to fumble late in the game, and, and one guy's going to run it back. You're going to say, stop. No one's going to believe that. You know, so, right, someone, would, someone would come to the screenwriter and say, we, we, we understand it's not real. What, what's, the word, what's the phrase you use? Suspension of? Yeah, suspend disbelief. Okay, so, okay, well, this is, too, this is too. No one's going to buy this one. But it happened. I mean, the one that nobody would have bought. Is the one that oh, – oh, and by the way, when they get to the playoff game, they're going to get down 27 nothing, but they're going to come back and the guy's going to kick a field goal in the last play. No one's believing that. Uh, would they? I mean, I'm telling you, the screenwriter's boss would say, come in here. I understand and we want to make it crazy, but no one's going to buy all it's that. It's a little hokey. Yeah, right. It's a, no one would believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Especially no, the 27 yeah, nothing. It, it, right. I mean, it's, it's major league. Yeah. It, it's Willie Mays Hayes scoring from second on a bunt. Right. It's not – it really it can't really happen. Yet it did. That's the that's the magic of this. It all the script the script played out, and so and that's what bonded everybody together. So uh, Evan Ingram, I think, will be. I agree with you, Lauren. Evan Ingram and Arden Key made it very clear they want to be here. I haven't talked to Juwan about it, but I would think he's from Florida. I think he likes it here. He, by the way, he had a great year. If you if you if you went and asked, and I don't know this, but if you said of the twenty two starters or backups, whatever, how they all graded out, everyone from Trevor to the safeties to the guards. I'll bet you Juwan Taylor's top five. Would you agree with that? I think he'd have a I, – I wouldn't be surprised if that's where I'll he ended bet, up because I'll bet the you penalties went away. Yeah, I mean, he. I'll, I'll bet you if you if, – if it were – and I don't know that it works like that, but if every guy gets a grade, if every guy grades out for the season, okay, I'll bet you his – I would be shocked if his grade wasn't among the top – handful of players on the team shocked if it was he well, had a great year and again Doug Peterson was obviously asked about Jawan today and I mean his direct comment was uh that Jawan had played outstanding you know that that was uh uh that that was how he described Jawan Taylor's season is is outstanding yeah. he's a young player he plays a very premium position um he's going to be I think the toughest one because He's been on a second-round contract for four years, so he hasn't made huge money yet. Right. Um, and it's going to be one of those things where I think that's going to be the, the hardest one 
in terms of coming to an extension with. Because somebody's going to want to tell him he can be left tackle. And there are someone's s- going to want to play. Right. And someone's going to try and pay him left tackle money. That that's where the rub will come. And there's there are some teams out there. Normally, the Jaguars are one of them, but they certainly aren't this time uh, around. But there are some teams out there with just ridiculous cap space. Right. And so that's the concern: is that does does Jawan Taylor tell the Jags, look? You know, I yes, I'd I'd love to be here, but this deal is but, this. Yeah, know. I've got to see what the market's going to bear before I can. Well, I think he's going to do that. I think they're all going to do that. They're all they're all going to take the best deal with Evan Ingram. You can, I mean, you you control that. You can, again, you don't want it to be a tag. Number one, you don't want that to affect the, the morale, and secondly, you want to amortize the dollars. But but I but but you can control that, and I've got to believe that's the guy they would tag if they had to tag somebody. So, but we'll see. All right, we'll take a break. One final thought about the Jags we come back. The rules have changed now. The rules have changed. There's now these things called expectations. They had none of that this year. They had n- none of it. What did we all say? Six to eight wins? I think if you surveyed everybody on the planet who, who threw a number out there, six to eight was in the number. Would you agree? I mean, yeah, yeah I, I would say. So there were no expectations. Well, guess what, bro? That changed. How they address that and what that means, that's next. Stay with us. All right, one more thought about one more segment about just the Jags, and we'll get to what happened in the NFL and the weekend that was in just a bit. We want to remind you of the best bet, um, the Winter Open Series. You heard Lauren talk about it earlier. It's back at Best Bet Jacksonville. Um, starts the 26th, that's three days from now. Goes all the way to February 6th. Satellites into event number one, $400 NLH tournament. And the $2,000 NLH main event happening right now. So head there. You're going to love it. By the way, early bird specials at Best Bet Orange Park, Saturdays and Sundays, $300 high hand from 9 in the morning until 10 o'clock. So uh, go over there and make some money. Get up early in the morning. Go make yourself a little bit of dough. Head to the Best Bet. That, by the way, that was Hayes' favorite, the No Limit Hold'em poker tournaments. The, the no right. Those, were, those were your favorites. Oh, yeah. No question they were. Um, let me tell you this. Um, I'm going to take you down to Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the rules change now. The rules change. By the way, you know what? You know who this is going to suck for? I mean, uh, this whole thing's going to suck for? It's going to suck if you are the Ravens, Steelers, Titans, Chargers, teams that typically, in the case of Titans, Ravens, Steelers, typically Patriots are in the mix in the AFC, or teams like the Chargers who are desperately trying to get into the mix in the AFC. It's going to suck. Let me tell you what. You still got Patrick Mahomes, who's 27. Okay. You still got Joe Burrow, who's 26. You still got Josh Allen, who's 25 or 26. And now you got this Trevor Cat, who's 23. Can you imagine being one of the other AFC teams? Good luck. It's already a gauntlet. It's already that. It's already been the Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo gauntlet because of the quarterback and the coach and the inner. Seriously, and how hard it is to play in those places. Well, now you got these these cats from Duval, who are right in the middle of it. I mean, good luck, good luck rebuilding it if you're Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick's greatest coach of all time. Maybe good luck, good luck if you're the Ravens who've always been good. Good luck if you're the Steelers who've never had a losing season under Tomlin. Those are great franchises. There's other great franchises, but you know, I mean, right for the here and now, the Final Four that was not an accident that the Final Four is what it is, and it's not an accident that Jacksonville was one of them. I'm telling you, good luck. It's going to suck for the rest of the AFC. I almost wonder, could you make the argument that the Jaguars have passed the Bills? I'm not there yet. I'm Add not. in Calvin Ridley yeah. and another year for Trevor under Doug. I, 
I think the Jaguars are going yeah. to be a better team moving forward. Than I could, I, I, you could, you could move me on that. I, I'm not there yet, but, but if the, and we'll talk more about this next segment, we'll get into the playoffs, but if the Bengals have moved past the bills and the chiefs are already ahead of the bills, then, the, then they better not look in the to your point. They better not look in the rearview mirror. You know, so, so, we'll, so the Jaguars all, play them all next year. And they play them all. Well, and that's the other thing, Hayes. Good, good, great segue, Gibby. You want to win your division because when you win your division, you win your division. Here's what else you get: you get a a first place schedule, and and you're in the AFC, which means you get a lot of really good teams. So again, the world the world of expectations changes for this team immediately. It absolutely does. I, I think uh, I think in terms of looking at the the losers here, it, it starts with the rest of the AFC South. Uh, this was absolutely the the nightmare scenario for Tennessee uh, because they view themselves as contenders, and I think they viewed themselves as maybe the Colts were a little bit of a threat, but that was really it. Uh, they're going to find themselves uh, looking up at the Jaguars. They have no answer for Trevor Lawrence. They don't have near his equal. Uh, they're going to really be in a desperate place trying to find some veteran solution that can keep them on a level playing field with the Jaguars. That's going to be very difficult. Uh, and 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 it's going to be, I think, close to impossible. But maybe that's where an Aaron Rodgers ends up. Maybe that's where a Tom Brady ends up. Um, but even that's going to be short-lasting. Uh, obviously, Houston and Indianapolis. Indianapolis is, is it looks years away. Houston might be close if they get the quarterback right it, 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 with the second pick. Um, but I think the losers of this run is the AFC South, the other three teams, because I think it's your window now, to your point, the wild card's obviously going to be very difficult because of the depth of the conference. So you've got to win the division, and it's going to be, I think, awfully difficult to do that as long as Trevor Lawrence is healthy because the Jaguars are going to – I mean, the returning starters, we always love looking at that, you know, when you start looking towards next season and, well, how many returning starters do they bring back? That's more of a college thing, but you can apply it in the NFL. They're going to have 20 starters back, potentially. Right. I mean, and adding Ridley and adding a first-round pick. Uh, so I think it starts there. I do think that it's Kansas City and Cincinnati, and then there's a substantial gap, and then substantial for, for the to, for you to the Bills for so, the here and now. Yeah, the what happened to the Bills yesterday was a disgrace. Okay. You can't in your home stadium get gutted like they were gutted, and uh, right. with uh, playing a Cincinnati team that's got three offensive linemen out, right. uh, and they got walloped. Right. I mean, that game never even felt like. Buffalo was going to make a run. They got manhandled. You're right. And so, uh, you know, I, I still think the Bills are, are good. I, I would have them third in the conference going into 2023. But it's to me, it's pretty clear that it's it's Mahomes and Burrow, and then that's it, that's right. going to be a, a big challenge for any team right. to supplant them. But you're right about the Chargers, Ravens, Dolphins, Steelers, Patriots, you know, teams that, you know, Cleveland invested heavily in Deshaun Watson. So, What's that going to net? So if you're the Jaguars – what do you have to do? I'll start here because I said at the top, the reason they lost the game in my mind wasn't the Kirk play, the Agnew play entirely. Of course, there was a big play or the, or the Oluquan play, Oluquan play where he didn't quite come up with the interception. That, those all contributed. And if they make those, any of those plays, they probably win the game. They make two of the three, they win the game. 
They lost the game because they lost the line of scrimmage. When Patrick Mahomes went out, then you had one of two choices. You're the Chiefs. 37-year-old Chad Henney, who was a check-down guy when he was a young player, so he's certainly not going to beat you down the field and is not very mobile, or Patrick Mahomes playing on one leg. If your defensive line, if you can win the line of scrimmage, stop Pacheco and harass the quarterback, you win the game. The Chiefs won the line of scrimmage. The Chiefs' offensive line actually got better. They, they, they got better when they realized they had to, and they, I thought they won the line of scrimmage. I thought Trevor was harassed. I thought Trevor, uh, the interception, people said, well, he threw the bad interception. I thought he was, getting, he was getting hit in the mouth when he let it go. So I think with all due respect, and now Kelsey was great. He caught 14 balls, but they lost the game in part because I thought they lost the line of scrimmage. That's why I think they lost the game. And so marginally, it's a seven-point game, so as you move forward, the most important thing the Jaguars have to do in my mind is find a pass rush. They've got to find one of those double-digit pass rush guys. They had 30-some-odd sacks, 35 sacks, 35 sacks this year. The Eagles had 70. Okay, right. And, and what did Saxonville have back in the days? 50-something? Yeah, I think so. In the 50s. Okay, so, so they had 35 sacks, and you, you, can't, you can't be that. So you've got to find the pass rush. Whether that means you reconfigure and you become a 4-3 and Trayvon plays down, which I'm not sure they're going to do that. Whether you go find an edge guy, uh, but you, that issue one for me is is the pass rush. After that, and I think you probably need another corner. You probably need another corner. If you ask me what they're going to draft, I try not to get to the draft too early. But three, I think I think if other than the guys that are already on the team, if you ask me what to add, I would add a, I would add edge. I would probably add corner, and then depth along the front. Another tight end, a big tight end if Manhurst doesn't stay, but. You've got to, you got, you still have to improve the lines of scrimmage. Back to my point about expectations, and you got to find a pass rush. That I think that's priority number one. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they. You look at I, Kansas City dominated the game in the trenches. The Titans dominated the game in the trenches. I thought so too. And I thought so and too. So that that can't continue. So they they need to be fortified there. Uh, for I I would think the first round pick is certainly going to be a player that addresses that. Uh, and and so I think that's that's the next step. You look at Philadelphia, what they have in the trenches is is significant. Uh the forty ers are incredible. Uh really physical. Yeah, and, and so that that's where it needs to go. And and again, now it can. Now you you know you've got the quarterback, you've got with adding Ridley, you've got the weapons, you've got the back, uh, you know, you you've got some nice you've got a, you've got the corner, uh but but yes, the fact that I mean, look, you don't want anyone to leave the game. But if your pass rush is any good yesterday, you might have been one hit on Mahomes from him saying, "I I just can't can't do this." And but but they never made him. They never pushed him to that he, he, because they, they never touched him. He, they never got close to him after the injury, and obviously on the ninety-eight yard drive, they never got close to Henny. Those are that. That's why that. That's why that's one hole you got to fill. And you still got to the final eight of the NFL. Absolutely. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be a great addition. But if for some reason he's not who we think he's going to be after the time off, then you may need to draft a receiver also because you've got to be able to take the top off. You need to get, I agree with that. You need, that that's the next, that's probably would have been next in line. Someone, you need a fast receiver. You need someone that you're worried about him running by you. Zay Jones was the closest we had to that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think teams sat there and worried. You, you worry about the guy that you're, and, and the deep threats aren't just fast guys. They have double moves. They have a couple gears. 
You probably need that guy. You need the guy that can run. Because if that guy was in the end zone when Trevor throws that ball to Marvin Jones that yeah. when he was double covered, I think that's the type of player that, that actually catches that ball. Yeah, so so I think so. certainly you have to re- re- improve there. But issue number one is get your guys, bring back your guys, keep the culture, keep your tight end. Issue number two is find a pass for us. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll look back at what happened over the weekend in the NFL. Crazy weekend, interesting weekend. But that's four pretty good teams that are moving on. You know, there's no there's no flukes in those four. We'll talk about it after this. Time for another Monday Rewind. The football weekend sounded like this. Rolling to the right is Mahomes. Looking. Fire the, to Kelsey to the five-yard line. Into the end zone. Touchdown. He hit him at about the five-yard line. Kelsey turned around and ran it into the end zone. That is a touchdown and the Chiefs strike first at Arrowhead Stadium. Dropping the throw is Trevor. It's a blitz. Fire to the right corner of the end zone. That ball is going to be caught for the touchdown. Christian Kirk and the Jags strike back. Trevor drops again. Fires. That ball's caught in the right flat inside the five-yard line. Ball come out. The ball came out at the end of the run inside the five-yard line. He was bobbling it. And the Kansas City Chiefs have recovered. Patrick Mahomes will take a knee one time, and that'll end the ballgame. Well, this will be five straight years that Andy Reid has taken this Chiefs team to the AFC title game. Mahomes on, takes a knee, and that will do it, and the Chiefs are going to win it 27-20. to Hurts screens it on the far side to Devontae Smith. Across the five, into the end zone, touchdown Devontae Smith! Hurts is back. He's going to go with the draw. He's going to run. He's going to score. Jalen Hurts. He's healthy. Allen back to throw on second and five. Pump fakes. Now he's going to launch it deep downfield. Intercepted by Cam Taylor Britt. And that is officially coffin nail. Snow Angels in the end zone for Cam Taylor Britt and his defensive teammates. Burrow behind Karras. Takes the snap. Takes a knee. Trent Taylor does a (laughs) flying backflip behind the line. Joe Mixon begins celebrating, and the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. Snaps it back to Dak Prescott. He throws over the middle to Turpin. He gets hammered down by Jimmy Ward. The game is over. What a way to end it. The 49ers are on their way to Philadelphia. That's the weekend that was. You heard our calls at first. Then it was Merrill Reese with the Eagles Radio Network, the venerable voice of the Eagles. Dan Horde is the voice of the Bengals. And Greg Papa, the longtime voice of the 49ers. That's what happened over the weekend. Uh, let's look back at some of the games. Let's start with the Bengals-Bills game. They, to your point a minute ago, they really manhandled them. They, they, and that surprised me. And Burrow clearly outplayed Allen. Now, I, I was the guy, shame on me, that I said it was Mahomes, Josh Allen, and then a gap before you got to Burrow. But Burrow may be the better of the two players. I mean, I mean, and again, I hate to, I hate to, one game change my mind, but it's more than one game. I um, Joe Burrow's better than I realized. Joe Burrow's one of the better players in the. He's one of the. He's he's really good. I still, in my mind, he's not better than Mahomes. We saw we saw an injured Mahomes. Healthy Mahomes is still the best guy to me. But boy, Burrow's good, and boy, that Cincinnati team's good. They are, and uh, and Burrow is excellent. He threw two touchdowns. I thought really had three. I thought the the overturn on the Jamar Chase one was really questionable. 
Um, well, I took a quick flight to Atlanta and back while they were looking at, <laughs> looking at it yeah. over. So. Um, but it is. It's amazing, uh, Cincinnati's progress, how fast they are uh, out of the gates in these big games. We talked about it when we were breaking down Jaguars Chiefs of, okay, well, let's go through the losses the Chiefs had, the three, and see if we can, you know, find a way, the, you know, something the Jaguars can emulate. And Cincinnati started fast in that game, had the ball for over 10 minutes in the first quarter, got the Chiefs nervous, won the game. Uh, same thing here. Uh, Burrow is is unbelievable, complete, I want to say, his first nine. Uh, so they had like two touchdowns before Buffalo had a first down. And that's what you have to do on the road in the playoffs. And then they just sort of held on. But uh, they're, they're an in- incredibly uh, gifted team offensively. And, you know, we'll see. It's a shame that Mahomes isn't going to be, if he's even able to be active and out there, he's clearly not going to be 100%. And it's a shame because Burrow and Mahomes, I mean, it's going to be a big – the the Jaguars should be optimistic about their future, but make no mistake about the challenge that they're going to face to ever make a Super Bowl. Because in a lot of years, you're probably going to have to go through both these guys. And we talked about it last week. The Chiefs' secondary might have been their biggest weakness. Good luck, Chiefs' defense, assuming Patrick Mahomes is able to play. But good luck to the Chiefs' defense covering Jamar Chase, Hayden Hurst, those types of guys, T. Higgins. And obviously they can run the ball too. Cincinnati, to me, just looks like a very complete team. The way that they played at Buffalo in that weather and they didn't skip a beat, I would be nervous if I was a Chiefs fan. But I'll say this. Don't count out Kansas City. Five straight AFC championship games, Andy Reid, the home crowd, a loud home crowd, win, you know, losing, you're out. I wouldn't count him out. I think Mahomes is going to try and play. Now, he won't be as – obviously, he, there's no way he could be healthy. A high ankle sprain looked like a, a significant ankle sprain. But I would, don't count him out yet. Don't. I, I know everyone's going to be on the Bengals this week. Long. What, what's the line, by the way? It's a pick em. Yeah, I, I think everyone's going to be on the Bengals all week long. I wouldn't count him out. The Chiefs are going to be there. I wouldn't count him out yet. And, and I've really – not sure either one of those teams can beat whoever comes out of the NFC. I, I think the two NFC teams are the two most physical teams left. Boy, oh boy, four good teams playing now. Uh, the Brock Purdy stuff, it's hard not to root for him. It's just hard, isn't it? It's hard not to root for him. But that's two. You talk about two tough physical. That game this weekend is going to be just, I mean, that's a, that's a game. You talk about a game played in a phone booth. You talk about a street fight. That's a street fight this week. Yeah, Eagles 49ers is going to be an absolute absolute battle in the trenches it's going to be brilliant to watch and uh yeah I mean Jalen Hurts really answered the call in a demolishing of the Giants and uh it's going to be you know another test for Brock Purdy he's passed them all so far uh so that what I love about it is no matter how these games go the Super Bowl is going to be awesome I mean there's just no way that the Super Bowl is not going to be a fantastic matchup, no matter how these games go. No matter what, no matter which two of the yeah, four go on. It's going to be awesome. I will say the Eagles are kind of on cruise control, and the fact that they destroyed the Giants so easily, that's kind of like another bye week for them, yeah. right? So I would say for the 49ers, obviously getting pushed a little bit more by Dallas, not a ton. That's one thing I would watch out for is the Eagles are coming in very well rested. What a story this would be. If a seventh-round pick quarterbacked the 49ers to the National Football League Championship, in this age of quarterbacks and all the rage and and high draft picks and all the dollars and all the talk, that if this guy – and you know what's even better? 
that he's from freaking Iowa State. I mean, he's not even from Stanford, you know? I mean, he, he, I mean, think about it. He's not even from Michigan State. He's from Iowa State. This guy from Iowa State who was barely taken in the draft quarterbacks a team to a championship. Wouldn't that be an amazing I'm that, I mean, think about it. If it really happened, we're not there yet. But if they win two more games, how amazing would that, in this day and age of quarterbacks all the rage, how amazing would that be? It'd be incredible. I mean, I think it would be one of the greatest coaching achievements that we've seen. I think Kyle Shanahan would be winning one for the ages to be able to lose two quarterbacks, take your third, who's basically an undrafted rookie. And I think if they win the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy would have won eight or nine in a row. It's not like this is you know, just three games at the end of, the, of a season. I mean, this would be a long stretch. Uh, it would be remarkable. It'd be a tremendous story, and uh, it would put Kyle Shanahan right up on that top tier of coaches for what he's been able to do. And, yes, Brock Purdy has played great. That team around him is ridiculous. Everyone talks about the offensive weapons. The defense, I mean, no one really – everyone talks about Bosa and and things like that, but their inside linebackers are so good, and they were drafted in, like, the third and fifth round. So this is a team that they've done a great job of building it from top to bottom. Yeah, it's a a physical tough team. Who do you guys like? Who do you got to pick today? We're not doing picks. Who do you like? Uh, I would take Cincinnati, and I would take Philadelphia. Yeah, you too? No, I'll go the other way for both. You take Kansas City. I'm going to take Kansas City somehow, some way. I think Patrick Mahomes toughs it out, and then I'll take the four. Who would you take? Give me right now if you had a pick. Yeah, I would. I would go with Kansas. I would. Sorry, I would go with the Bengals. I just think they're playing at another level right now, and I would take the 49ers. Look, the Eagles are playing at a great level too, but I mean, what McCaffrey added to that team? Just I, I don't know how. I don't know. They might win the whole thing. The 49ers. Yeah. I would take Kansas City. I'm with you, Lauren. I figured. I figured I'd be the only one in the room. Room taking Kansas City because everyone seems to be on the Bengals. I would take. I'm taking Kansas City. I'm torn on the other one, man. I mean, I I am really. I am. I am back and forth on the other one. I I, uh, I would pick San Francisco if they were at home. I can tell you that because they're not. I'm really torn on that one. I, I am. Well, what a what a game that's going to be. I, I'm leaning toward the Eagles today. I may change four times this week. I just I think that is, but you said it. What a Super Bowl we're going to have, and these and these are the four best teams. I mean, there's no there's no sometimes a team that is not one of the best teams sneaks in, gets a call, something happens, magical season. There's no magic in these seasons. Although the Bengals started slowly, the Bengals lost opening day to the Steelers. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And so but they so, started zero and two, zero and two, yeah. And so and if uh, the Jaguars had beaten the Chiefs, certainly people would be saying. The Jaguars had snuck in. That's right. The team of destiny, yeah. and, the, and the, the Bengals are going to wallop them. That, that's what people would be saying. And because a lot of times teams of destiny do get in, but this is a. But no, this is a. Uh, this is a really good. I mean, it's going to be a fun, uh, fun Sunday. By the way, you know what else it is? Loser Monday. Ooh, ah, you yes realize it is. that is Loser Monday. That's right. We draft, and let me tell you the loser. The way Loser Monday goes, Hayes and I are in the clear. Lauren can make one of the great comebacks of all time. She seemed destined for the hat. You, she seems like you were on, on Hat Road. And somehow Gibby has struggled a little bit. So now if Gibby loses, you know we have? Hat playoff. We have a hat playoff probably with prop bets from the Super Bowl. How do you feel about that? 
I would feel much better than the position I'm in now, which is still wearing the hat. <laughs> I love that idea. And I'm not tanking either. <laughs> Gibby's not tanking. I'd appreciate if you thing. were. The way we do it is uh, this is always the last one of the year for our Loser Monday year. We have a blast on Loser Monday. We uh, all will draft three players, and it is total points scored. And you can take kickers. You can take left guards. You can take deep snappers. Everybody's eligible. If, you, if, you're, if you're playing in this game, you can be drafted. Touchdown passes. Don't count for you. Touchdown catches count. It's points you actually score. But if the quarterback runs it in, then you get, then then you get, get credit it. for that. But what if you drafted a deep snapper named Zeke Elliott? And, then, yeah, that was, <laughs> and, and poor Zeke just got blasted on that play, didn't he? Got ran over. <laughs> what, were they, what are you doing? Whoever caught that ball also got destroyed. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the minute the ball yeah, got there. that the looked minute. painful. All right. Uh, Johnny Ogim's here at 5 o'clock, our last uh, – uh, o show. It's 5 o'clock to 5.30 today, so we'll get back to the NFL and Jaguars in a bit. But we got some other things we'll get to. Hoops and a lot more. This is 1010XL and 92. Welcome back to the program. Johnny Oak joins us in about 20 minutes. We'll get back to Jaguars football in a bit. What's happening in the portal? Any portal news? Any portal news? Yeah, the uh, Gators got a running back out of Tulane and a linebacker out of Houston, so that's uh, that's good. So the Knowles have about 20. Gators have about 10. What about Does Georgia do anything in the portal? Why would you? Yeah, well, they don't. I mean, I'm yeah. seriously, when you're Georgia and Alabama, you really don't need I mean, them. unless it's like a star. Yeah, but I, but, mean, I mean, I was thinking about this. If you're Georgia and Alabama, or whoever, Ohio State, you really don't – the portal's not coming to you because no one – why would you go there and not – because the player they recruited is better. So, But I was thinking about it. Now, Landon Dickerson went to Alabama and helped him win a title. Gibbs went to Alabama. Jamar Gibbs, the running back from Georgia Tech last year, went to Alabama. But but I'm trying. Has Georgia had a transfer of significance in the portal era? Not that I can. Not JT grab Daniels. J- well, JT Daniels and got beat out by a Georgia guy. <laughs> yeah, technically Stetson yeah, Bennett. But, you, but, that but you're right. Really JT count. Daniels was one. But is there? And no, I don't count Stetson Bennett. He started there. But I, is yeah. there? I mean, is there any? I, I I think Georgia's so good, so stinking good. They haven't. They really haven't needed a portal guy. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you don't want to have to lean on the portal because I do think it's harder to have continuity and cohesiveness in your locker room because the portal guys are coming into play. And you've got homegrown players that are hoping to play that are now, like, if you're a linebacker at Florida, you've now seen three portal linebackers arrive. Well, they're all going to play. Uh, If you were a defensive tackle at Florida. Yeah, uh, you've seen two defensive right. tackles arrive in the portal. They're going to play, so I think is from you, a building it standpoint, right. I think you'd prefer not to have to bring in ten guys. Sure, uh, and so I think Georgia's got it right the way well, that no, they quite, have it. What you just said about Florida, the guys there are going to play. Uh, same thing, Florida State, the guys there are going to play. Well, here's the reality: how many schools? There's 131. Well, that's the case with about 125 of them. Sure, there's six or seven. That have gotten gotten gone so well that they don't need them, and even Alabama has a couple here and there. There's Ohio, and Georgia, I should, by the way, real quick has a Missouri wide receiver named Dominic Lovett, okay, and then a Mississippi State wide receiver wide receiver named Rara Thomas. But I want to say I saw in the news today that yeah. that player was arrested. Yeah, I saw that too. Okay, I, so I didn't yeah, know he but was they did get two receivers from within the SEC. But I'm trying to think, and I, we don't know the other schools as well. But I'm trying to think: is there is there anybody of significance from that Ohio State? Michigan, when we watch them, are there any? Are there any significant? Now USC got Caleb Williams, but part of that's because they got his coach, right? You know, you don't you don't sense that they're going to be uh, mining the portal on a regular basis. They got the receiver too, too from yeah. Penn State. The, correct, Jordan Addison. But you don't you don't or for yeah from Pitt actually yeah but yeah but that's yeah, right. Thank you. But you don't get the sense that 
So it'll be interesting to see if you're Florida or Florida State. Florida State, by the way, has built a top 10 program, at least for now, with the portal. Yeah, they're the litmus test on this because it, obviously they've got incredible buy-in. Yeah. And they've, they must have one of the best locker rooms in college football. Correct. Because uh, they've got guys that could have gone on to the draft that are staying and to have this special season coming up. So that's one where so far it's worked out brilliantly. But, you know, it's it's one of those things that if you're constantly adding, you know, 10 or more players in the portal, you worry about that getting somewhat disrupted. But And so they will be a good litmus test for it that's because they're, they're leaning on the portal more than they're doing great with the high school recruiting component. But that may work out. I mean, they may become the college basketball version of an elite team that just basically everybody's a transfer. They don't do a ton. I mean, they not that they'll ignore it, but they're not known for their recruiting yeah. prowess. It's what they do in the portal, and and they're able to year in and year out, you know, be very competitive in, and they, in the and national may, scene. And they may do it. I mean, again, they may do it. Yeah. What they you're right. It's been underplayed a little bit. What they were able to do, the people they were able to keep there, Johnny Wilson and Jared Verse, and the I mean, they kept Travis there. But I'm not sure Travis is a sure bet, very good NFL quarterback. He might be, but I'm not convinced. But Jared Verse is an edge guy. Edge guys go high. You know, Johnny Wilson's a big – I mean, the, the guys they've been able to keep there that didn't come out. Yeah. Verse wouldn't have fallen uh, further than pick 24. That's exactly can... right. No, you're right. He would not that, – that's a great point. I mean, so what they've been able to do is get these portal guys and then get everybody to stay is pretty amazing stuff. Even even the guy they, – they, they lost a one running back, Ward. Was it Ward? Mm-hmm. Transferred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even he, it was almost like happy. Right. You know, I mean, when he left, because he's not as good as Benson, and he's not as good as uh, Toa Feely. So when he leaves, he it's almost like Treshawn Ward leaves. It's almost, dude, I mean, Mike Norvell kind of helped him right. find a place and, and lauded him. I mean, it's, even when guys leave, they're happy. I mean, every, I mean, both, both sides are happy. Mm-hmm. Usually when a guy transfers out, even if he's doing the right thing for him and the coach – Coach supports it because he wasn't going to play him anyway. There's not happiness between them. You ever notice that? Yeah. FSU, they're happy even when the guy – both sides are happy even when the guy leaves. He's, he's – you said it right. You said it exactly right. The culture in the locker room over there must be really good. Yeah, and we'll see if it, it is sustainable because now you're testing that because you're bringing in – I don't know how many FSUs brought in this year. What is it? It's probably close to 10, isn't it? Something well, I think like it's that. all of that. I think it's, yeah. I think it's all of them. Um, so, you know, that's a, obviously you've only got 85 scholarships. So if you bring in, you know, 10 players, that's 13% of your roster that, you know, just showed up with expectations to play big roles. And so, you know, you'd, you'd like to think Florida State's leadership in that room is so strong that those guys will acquiesce yeah. and, and fall in line with everything. But, uh, but that's the only – that's to me, that's the only – downside of that model but if mike norvell can get those you know right. guys that are coming in to you know mesh well uh then yeah it's it's a it's a model that could lead to a ton of success jim just sent me a, a tweet reminding me that Dabo i didn't know it was never Dabo has never taken a kid from the portal is that right he said he's i mean i didn't realize i know they didn't take very many but if they've never taken any according to jim's tweet thank you for that jim i don't know if that model works either because even Alabama take well, you, you just said it, Lauren. You pick you found two that Georgia took. Plus, we know they took JT Daniels. Alabama took. I mean, Landon Dickerson helped them win a national title, and he's an, and now he's a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. He's a good player from FSU, and so uh, so sometimes no matter how good you are, you got to take them. 
It's interesting that Clemson's never taken any. That is really interesting, and I, I would agree. It, Clemson's recruiting is obviously very good, but it's it's going to be hard to just have a have that black and white sort of viewpoint of I'm just not going to ever do it because I think Clemson would be very attractive. Obviously, you can win there at a high level. That's going to be attractive. It's you know it's got a lot to offer. is a is is a fun place to go to school. Uh, so you would think you know it would it would be a, a destination place uh, for players in the portal. Um, so that is surprising, but I would think that's a, a line of thought that Dabo Swinney will have to tweak okay. as, uh, as it goes on, particularly if FSU does pass them this year. Right. Because if, if FSU passes them this year and wins the division and more than likely wins the, the whole thing in, in the ACC, how does Dabo Swinney continue that mindset? If the program that just passed you is relying more on the portal than they are their high school recruiting. Dabo has criticized the transfer portal in the past, but they did add a quarterback, I guess a third-string quarterback, Paul Tyson from Arizona State last season. So one. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, that but not still, very many, but a right, few. Right, exactly. So I got a question. Let's assume, I mean, FSU's going to start in the top ten. Let's assume they, they win it. Let's assume they have the year of all years to win the whole thing or go to the playoffs or have, have an extraordinary year, whether they win the whole thing or get to the playoffs. Is Mike Norvell a Florida State lifer? Because most coaches in college are not. Urban Meyer wasn't a, wasn't a Florida lifer. Even Steve Spurrier left for the NFL. Billy Donovan left, so the Florida coaches left. Jimbo Fisher left uh, Florida State. Most coaches in college football are not lifers. Now, Nick Saban became one when he got to Alabama, but he got there in his late 50s. Um, obviously, Kirby Smart is going to be a lifer. I think most of us agree. He's, he's one of the unusual ones. Lincoln Riley thought he was going to be a lifer until he popped up at USC. Mike Norvell's 41. He is uh, from, originally from Arkansas. He played at – I take it back. He's born in Texas, born in Dallas, but he played college football in Arkansas, coached at Memphis, so that's his region. Is he a lifer, or has he tried the next thing? Like most of them do. Boy, that's so hard for me to say because I, I mean, I'm still not 100 percent convinced yeah. that this is anything I, I, more than everything went right for a year. I hear you. I, I disagree with you on yeah. that, but but I hear you. I mean, uh, in fairness, you're right. You, you, hey, Frank, let him do it more than once before you you crown him the next Bobby Bowden. I, I, I get that. I, I, I and I'm not trying to do that, but but I'm just for the sake of the conversation. Let's, let's hypothetically let's say that. He, yeah, he. They, they, they make the, some playoff runs. Correct. They, that off. what we saw is is right. going to be consistent what yeah. FSU does under him. Then I would say that I, I would say there's an excellent chance. I mean, I, I the only thing that I think Florida State would have to combat is every time an SEC or a Big Ten job comes open, or one of the other major one. I don't know if USC is coming open, but you know if Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL or something. And that school is willing to just throw unbelievable money and and resources. You know, I don't know if if that could ever pose a problem for FSU. Um, but again, I don't know Mike Norvell. He may that may not yeah. motivate him at all. He yeah. may be he may say, "You guys took a chance on me, and I love what we have here." And you know, yeah. I I'm, I'm not interested in another college. L- like Napier, let's as- let's assume for a second Napier's great. Same question. Let's assume Napier gets Florida a couple, two, three years. They're going to the playoffs, winning titles every year. I, th- I don't think he's a lifer. I think he's a Southern guy. He was at Alabama. He was born in the state of Georgia. 
would not surprise me to see him take an Alabama or LSU job if it was offered. I'm not knocking my alma mater. I'm just saying it wouldn't. And I may be dead wrong. He does not strike me as an NFL guy. He's no. more Kirby than, you know, he's more Southern guy. The, the Southern guys with an accent don't go to the NFL very often. You ever realize that? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the Southern guys with the accent usually stay in college football, um, which is I'm terribly profiling there, but but it, it's kind of the way it is, you know. Um, but he seems more Southern, old-school SEC. Now, I could be wrong. He could he could lock in there and stay there forever. Um, but Norvell, I don't, seem to, I don't feel like I know enough about his background, even though he's been there longer than Napier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Napier was the guy they were always saying, where is he going to land? Where is he going to land? Where is he going to land? Norvell really wasn't. He came out of nowhere, and boom, the next thing you know, he's the Florida State coach. I think with Napier, he's not a Florida lifer because I don't think a Florida lifer exists. I I don't think you can do that in that job. Yeah, if Spurrier wasn't, who would be? I think Billy Napier, absolutely, and, and I think Billy Napier probably is aged 20 years. Right in this last 365 days from putting up with everything that he's had to put up with. Right. Uh, so I would be stunned if Billy Napier is the Florida coach, even if he's great for longer than seven or eight years. It, it just really seems like the Florida football job has become a job of, of that is just unforgiving and, with very little appreciation and all expectations. And I, you just don't – I don't get that feeling from other schools. And I, it, it just seems like Florida is a meat grinder of a job for football coaches. Yeah, and I and – I, number one, because there's a lot of jobs tend to be like that. Ohio State tends to be like that. You almost have to have gone there to be that guy. Herbie Kirby Smart went there. If Kerwin Bell – or Shane Matthews were of that ilk and became the coach, they could be lifers because it's their school. That's what Kirby has. It's his school. Um, and I think it helps with Florida fans when you're one of them. You, no question. No, you you get a little more rope. There's no – and it's probably all fans, not just Florida fans. Right, we just see true. it because we're here. Yeah. But I think you get a little more rope when you're, when you're that guy. I'm trying to think of what guys in this day and age are at their alma maters and, and doing wonderfully. Kirby. He might be it. I mean, Ed Ogeron looked like he, well, he wasn't his alma mater, but he's from the state. But, I mean, if you look around, you look at the power programs, um, Harbaugh, he's at his alma mater. And and, and, and it's still hard It's hard for me to convince myself that he's not sniffing an NFL job, even though he says he's not this year. And he's probably not this year, but it's, it's hard for me to convince myself that he's not going to wind up back in the NFL. I don't think you're going to see that many more college head coaches jump to the NFL and become head coaches because of how bad and – Poor the track record it's gone is gone badly, hasn't it? Yeah, I don't think yeah. you're going to see that. If they leave their college job, they're going to, I think, have to start lower on the NFL. That's a great chain. point. Yeah, you know what? And the most recent sure bet, six, uh, sure bet, can't fail guy, Matt Rule, couldn't have failed any worse. And he was the most well liked guy. I mean, they loved him at Baylor. I mean, every media loved him, fans loved him, players loved him, and it was a miserable existence in Carolina. I, I, I know people involved with that franchise. That said, there's never been a worse fit in the history of fits, and nobody's so. So that, to your point, that might be the poster child of what you just said. And urban. Yeah, yeah. Well, in urban, good point. And and the money. Yeah, good. How, I, 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 how to forget about urban? That yeah, was just a good I point. mean, the money that you can make in college football now. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's 40 coaches that are making at least six million dollars. Yeah. 
Whereas it, it, you know, 20 years ago, to make huge money, you had to go to the NFL. Right. Uh, there was only two or three coaches in college football making really That's good, point. good money. Now it's, it's commonplace. I mean, it, like just I if, see, in the SEC, there's got to be 12 coaches that are making at least five. I see Hackett was making four. Mike McCarthy for the Cowboys makes four. Zach Taylor for the Bengals makes four and a half. You'll think that would go up. Uh, Robert Sala for the Jets makes five million. So that's all less than most all these coaches. SEC yeah, to, your, to, yeah. to Hayes's point. Correct. So you're taking less money, and you know, I, again, I think being a college football coach is is mm-hmm. more of a process than being an NFL head coach. Well, you the, get your time off in the NFL. A totally different the, job. Yeah, the yeah. college job now, particularly yeah. with the portal and yeah. no. uh, and recruiting starting. So I mean, I, you know, I I'd, I'd love to know how many days off. Billy Napier's now, had now since will, he took the Florida job. Now we'll tell if it's you, more than three, I'd be shocked. Now, I'll tell you, 20 years ago, and it was 20 years ago, 15, it would, I've known coaches that did both. They said college is an easier job. But it, and I, I've talked to a bunch of them, that college is an easier job because in college football, for the most part, now the portal and, and, and visit days, but for the most part, once you get through spring, you're pretty much laying low until fall camp. Whereas in the NFL, you're never laying low. You get a couple weeks in June. But NFL, you don't have to recruit and go through what uh, the, the, the travel, the tra- kind of travel it takes to recruit. Pro coaches never – pro coaches don't have to travel. You know, pro, they may go to a few pro days. But for the most part, pro coaches other than conventions don't travel other than on the charter with their team. College coaches are never not recruiting. So there's not as much work. There's not as many occupied days – but the days you're working, it's not as good as stuff. How much I, does – go ahead, Lauren. No, go ahead, Gibby. Well, I was just going to say, how much does NIL uh, Change pl- play all into this? Because you would think that some of these coaches aren't going to last much longer if they can't get control of NIL. Well, there's certainly – you're right, because I will tell you this. Coaches are fed up with it. Coaches are – because coach, college football coaches, football coaches in general, but college coaches particularly are control freaks to the nth degree. I mean control freaks. And they can't control the NIL. They're, they're supposed to, but they can't. So interesting stuff. I'll right, take a break. Let's get it back to Jaguars football. Uh, a tough weekend loss, but what a season. What a run for these Jaguars. Johnny O joins us one more time. The O Show is next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now it's time for the O Show with John Osher from Jaguars.com. Oh. 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 Johnny O is in the house one last time. Gosh, John, it seems like we just started this uh Week before Canton. One last time. Like, <laughs> ever? Well, <laughs> maybe. I didn't want to tell you that. Well, but we're now, not resigning but you. Now, yeah, I was John, glad. John, John, now there's on the table. We, are, we have cap problems. Hey, the code worked <laughs> at the Jags this morning, so I was happy. And uh, every day, yeah. That's a good I'm glad about that. So, uh, uh, John, uh, John does a great job with us every Monday during the season. Um, what was your emotion? Was, was your emotion afterwards – I mean – Shocked that they lost, disappointed they lost, or just caught up in what a what a run it was, or a little bit of a mix. I mean, I mean where, seriously, where were you on? Well, probably on a little that? bit of a mix. Like when I'm watching the game, I'm, you know, I try to take emotion out of it as much as possible. And I told you on the bus when we got on, I said, I said, I I thought I wasn't emotional yeah. for the Jags in the sense that I thought they probably got as far as they were supposed to get. Right. And then my entire the entire time I'm watching the game Saturday, I'm thinking the Chiefs are better. 
I think Doug did an amazing job of having them close enough at the end that they had a chance. But I also kind of thought that even if Agnew hadn't fumbled, that the Chiefs, that the course of that game had done what they needed to do at crucial times to stay ahead. And I thought they would probably keep the ball and, and go score. So I hope that that wasn't the case. But that was the feeling I got if, if I was trying to be objective. So I thought the better team won. And I thought, boy, what an unbelievable thing. I thought they finished as the seventh or eighth team in the league. I thought that overachieved. I thought Doug did a great coaching job, and his team maximized it. Sorry to see it end for this reason. And I think a lot of fans felt this way, even if they didn't enunciate it. Sad that it was over. Yeah, yeah. Because not necessarily sad that the Jaguars weren't going to go win the Super Bowl, which everybody wanted, of course. But I think most fans would have been happy next week if they could have gone and watched them watch a regular season game. Right. And Because it was so much fun to watch them. You follow me? Like, yeah, well, 100%. Well said. Yes, I mean, they would have all. liked to go watch and play in the AFC Championship game. But I think, I think there will be fans who go back and try to find and go rewatch the regular season finale again. Yeah. Because it was so fun to watch them. There that's, was such joy in it. That's a great take because we want to go have a pep rally Friday. We want to go have another one. We want to go, we want to go, I want to go walk into Publix and have people wearing their Jags gear again. I, I hear I you. just didn't want it to be over. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, okay. it feels like the excitement was bigger than it was in 2017. It, it felt like the, in, the, in the way the fans responded on, on the road, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. They were, you know, and it's so hard to put this into words, and it's not fact. It's just your opinion on it. But I think this team, not that the 17 team didn't have fun, but the 17 team always seemed kind of angry, like they were trying to prove something to somebody, and it got in the AC Championship game, and I loved that team. But this team, when you watch them speak after games and when you watch their reaction after games, I think it was clear how much they liked each other. And how much fun they were having. There was a picture on on Twitter the other day. I don't know where I saw it, but of Josh Allen and Doug Peterson. I think it was after the Chargers game. And Doug, a 55, 54 year old man, had just this look of unbridled joy. And, mm-hmm. and he looked goofy. He looked kind of stupid. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. But it was real. The joy that he felt, and him and Josh were looking at each other with the "We did it. You can't believe it." I think people attached to that, they saw how much fun this team had and how much it liked each other. And I think it seemed there were more people on the road this year than 17. But I think it was because people saw it and said, I want to go be a part of that. I, w- I want to feel that. Short of winning the Super Bowl, how cool is that? Yeah, I think it brought a lot of fans to that joy level that they hadn't experienced with the Jaguars football team in, in several years. What was the biggest positive of this season to you, John? Trevor. Well, I mean, that's the quick answer because I always have a tendency to look at things long-term and how is the franchise going to be over the long-term. So I think the fact that in August you hoped, you believed, but you didn't know for sure. Now you know for sure what he's going to be. You don't know the ceiling of it, but to me there's no way he's not going to be really good for a long time. And I think there's no way he's not going to be a top-ten quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be – QB one of the league. I don't know where he's going to rank in that, but he's going to be 
really good and give them a chance. And I think B was Doug clearly got these guys believing, clearly established the culture, the belief, whatever. And I think that goes a long way in the league to having these guys coming back believing. They're going to go into the season believing, hey, we're going to be good. We're going to do things we have to. So I think that got built and the quarterback's good. I think that sets it where you're going to be minimum a 500 competing team. Uh, when I say 500, I mean you're there with a shot. Uh, and now it's it's up to Trevor. It's up to the team to figure out how good that shot is each year. I think Trevor will be great. But to your question, Lauren, do you ask John? I'm thinking about it. I will tell you this. They were the worst team in the league two years running. You pick first, you're the worst team. After picking first two years in a row, you're left playing a rookie center, a second-year quarterback who probably didn't learn much last year, um, rookie linebackers, a rookie outside linebacker defensive end who's got to learn his spot. You're playing Darius Williams and Trey Herndon and and Dewey in some key circumstances. You're playing Tyler Shatley at left guard, who's a veteran and a wonderful guy. You almost made the AFC Championship game. And don't forget, Frank, and, you also brought in yeah. ETN never played in the league. Right, and, right. And, and your Correct. three top receivers had yeah. never seen this offense before had never last been together. March. Great point. ETN hadn't been in the league. Jamichael Hasty <laughs> is your backup. I think in my 42 years in the media, 35 of which is a radio host, it might be the best coaching job I've ever seen at any level. They almost went – they almost went to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. with with that. And I'm not saying they don't have good players. They have some good players. But if you look at – I mean, they, they were the worst team in the league last year with, a, with a, a, a really young quarterback and really young running back and rookies all over the place. I think it's an amazing – I think the story of the season is that amazing coaching job. And I know all of the uh, – all the teams who pick first are bad. Yeah. The last couple of years, they were really bad. Really bad. I mean, it, I, I forget what the stat was, but something like 10 double-digit losses yeah. last season. Um, also, there were four coaches in the AFC left this past weekend. Reed's been there 10 years. Taylor's been there four. And I think McDermott's in his sixth. Yeah. Doug's in his first. He's not BSing when he talks all the time. And even during the early the season about – continuity, second-year stuff. I know he would have never said this this year, but playoffs were a hope. I, I know he thought they could. But I don't know how realistic it was when it all started. To get there, to be one of the last uh, – to be in that Final Four as the first in, – in the first year with all these circumstances we're talking about, it's, uh, it's so far beyond what I could have expected. No doubt, and it's going to be really interesting to see. Doug talked about the refinement of the offense in, in his uh, season wrap-up press conference today and talked about how he felt like at times they didn't really throw the ball that mm-hmm. well this year. Uh, you kind of saw that when, when Peyton was, was growing up in Indianapolis. What are some things or, or what's your expectation level? What are some nuances that, that they can do in year two with Peterson and, and Trevor together. Yeah, uh, Peyton was in his fourth year when I got there. So the, oh, okay. they really didn't have that element to overcome. 
But I can tell you from watching that offense for, for 10 years when it was good, the difference between that one and this one, um, it's not at all uh, – they're pretty similar when they're at their best. What I think Doug's talking about more than anything is being at their best on a more consistent basis. Um, if you look at the games this year, they were all the slow starts. Well, you know, come out and be very consistent in the first quarter so you don't need to have the comebacks. I think with Trevor and with the offense overall, I, I, I think Doug would tell you this very quickly, it's just consistency and not having the, the two or three drives where you don't get anything. You know, uh, you know uh, the turnovers in the red zone we talked about early. So much of what I think has to improve did improve over the second half of the season. So I think they're they're very close to being there offensively. I think it's just going to be you're going to see more consistency. You're going to see more uh, more quick strikes. I think uh, will happen. But for the most part, I think they close the gap and they're just going to keep getting better at the things we saw and liked at the end of the season. Power rankings don't matter in the NFL, but do you think the Jaguars will be ranked somewhere between five and ten to start next season? I would think. I mean, um, I think they'll be the consensus uh, pick in the South because of the quarterback situation, because what they did. I've got to think they would. I think I had them late in the season, not 10th or 11th, um, when I did mine, which uh, matter not a bit. But I, I can't imagine them not being a consensus playoff choice, and they're going to be the hot team. I think Hayes tweeted right. uh, today. I think they'll be on primetime – you know, multiple times because I think the league saw at the end of the year three straight high-profile games, and they were really entertaining in every one of them. Yeah, and, and Trevor Lawrence will be a big part of that. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, one segment left. We are going to look ahead. What do they have to do? What are the most important things to do in the off season? Positions of concern, guys you want to keep. That's next day with us. We'll be back. I'm, I'm confident in that. And this isn't. This is this is more the beginning than it is the end of something. This is just getting started for us. Comments of Trevor Lawrence, and I think that's how everybody feels. This is the um, end of the beginning, not the opposite. And so, uh, so I think that's uh, it is the beginning. Uh, John, uh, the guys that are out there now, free agents. Um, we know everybody knows the names by now. Evan Ingram's out there. Jawan Taylor's out there. Um, Arden Key's out there. That's the three names that seem to get the most attention. Uh, Critically, priorities, would you say, those those three at least? Yeah, I think those are the three. Um, I know I'd be shocked if Ingram's not back. Yeah, I know he really wants to be back. And, and they really want him back. And, yeah, and, and so I think that just makes sense. They're, they're up against the cap, but um, they did not last year mortgage anything into the future at all with the cap. They have a, uh, what you would call a clean cap. They, they won't be able to do what they want to do without mortgaging a little, but that's what teams have to do to maintain good players and, and to be competitive. And explain, what, excuse and John, explain what John's talking about is you rework some contracts right. to where you get some immediate cap relief, but it can bite you down the road. Right. That, that's what you're talking right. about. Right. I'm sorry. It, you, yeah. That's exactly right. So uh, you, you ideally want to do that as, as, as little as possible, but there's also a, a reality to – you know, they didn't do it last year because they were still assessing the roster and their deployment. They didn't have to. Now they'll do that a little more. Um, 
I would expect them to re-sign Jawan Taylor. Uh, I know they want to re-sign Arden Key. I think those are the three that, that are, I would say, highest priority. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they get Wingard back. Totally agree. Um, wouldn't shock me Chris Manhurts as, as a level because he's, he's a very good blocker and probably won't command huge money in the open market. So those are guys that I, I'm looking at. And as Doug said today, though, there's what you want in this. And then once you get closer, if, if, if Juwan Taylor's agent hears that some team is going to offer X and, and it doesn't fit, you never know. But I think those are the things they want to do. I thought it was interesting when Doug was asked about the free agents, and I don't think Juwan necessarily specifically, but he described it as, yeah, an outstanding year, mm-hmm. uh, Juwan Taylor. Do you think that their only their only evaluation of Juwan Taylor is is this season for them, not necessarily the three seasons prior? Well, I think it has to be, and uh, he was in a different offensive system, playing for a different offensive line coach with different philosophies. Uh, I think from their point of view, that's what you have to do, and I think that probably counters the worry of, well, he was playing for his contract. It was a contract year. Um, I, think, I think that position, offensive tackle, is, is so important and so difficult to find that I do think you have to look at it and say, this is what he was this year. I think you go to uh, Phil Rauscher and say, what are your thoughts? How strongly do you feel? What is th- this? And then, uh, so I think he will be a priority for those reasons. Do you think Doug Peterson will keep his entire staff intact? You know, it's hard to say. I, I don't sense that he, by his choice, will let anybody go. Uh, will there be situations for younger coaches to get jobs? Uh, you know, I don't sense that Doug is a block a guy from a better opportunity guy. Uh, I think he believes in growth. I, I would think, knowing him, I haven't talked to him about that subject. Uh, so... It's hard to say, but I I don't think he will look at it and say we have to get rid of anything. Yeah, I I, I for people that want well, let's just do something with Caldwell or this guy, that guy. I think they like their staff. I think, they, and I agree with them. I I wouldn't change that staff around. I think I I made this point early in the show, John. This team really connects with each other, with him, with the media, with the fans. See, even at seventeen, you said that was an angry group. Mm-hmm. I, I think so too. And the minute stuff started going, started going wrong. Well, even affected. Well, the, they got really angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then affected the fan base. The Jalen thing happened, and some people say, "Ah, Jalen's a punk." Other people say, "Nah, Jalen's he's just today's kid." But the, Tom and Dave, it's their fault. You know, there was all of a sudden there's division. Uh, this group doesn't look like it's headed to any of that, mm-hmm. from, either from the coach's standpoint or the players. Which is why I think one more reason why you're trying to keep the guys. Here's my read: the Evan Ingram's going to be back. Even if they have to tag him, I, I can tell you that. We all know they really want to keep Juwan Taylor. I told Hayes, I'll bet if you if you went through every player on the team, how they graded, if it, it's probably not that black and white, but if it was as simple as you're a 98, you're a 93, you're an 88, you graded them, I'll bet Juwan Taylor graded as high as almost anybody on the team. Literally, literally I mean, they really, I can tell you, they, to me, have raved about mm-hmm. how he played. Not just, not just what Hayes said, Doug said today. So my guess is he's a safe re-signing yes. because he's a good kid and you don't get the idea that, Correct. hey, I've got the money now, forget it, which matters in free agency. No question. Here, But here's what I think the challenge is. They're going to find a way to keep Ingram. Again, you'd rather 
extend him and amortize the dollars rather than it all go to next year if you have to franchise it. But they'll franchise him if they have to. I think they'll be okay with Arden Key. He kind of refound himself here. I don't think they're going to get outbid for him. I think Dewey matters because he's part of the culture and he's not mm-hmm. going to cost very much. Same point you made about Manhurts. Jawan is the challenge because if someone throws left tackle money at him, right. then how do you match that? The, that? the problem is left. Don't you think left tackle money is the challenge with Jawan Taylor? It is. Uh, what you sort of hope if you're the Jaguars is that other teams look at all four years yeah, and, and worry about some of the things that, that uh, local people worry about. And that the Jaguars say no, we we know what we have for that year and uh, what he is. But yeah, that's um, if it, if it's too big a contract, then there there's always a point where people stop. Final thought on that. We'll get to some other stuff. But final thought on that. If you look at the if you look at where this team needs growth, they got beat at the line of scrimmage in this game. They probably got beat at the line of scrimmage in the Titans game. So you got to that means probably another guard, probably another defensive lineman. But first and foremost, they need edge. So is this a team, because of their cap circumstance, that they won't be able to go sign a free agent r- rusher? Was it, does that have to yeah. come through the draft? Is it going to be – is it that simple? As you uh, see it? I think at this point, uh, I, I think you need it to come from within. I, I, not, I don't know that exterior edge rusher is a place where you go get a lead in free agency anyway. I mean right. – yeah, you're right. We're so used to that around here because that's been the M.O. I think the biggest area where this team is going to improve and where good teams typically improve is from their drafted players improving in year two, improving in year three. I think the key to the defense getting better, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, and Chad Muma going from contributing starting players to core players defensively. Yeah, good point. And I like where they are with their draft pick because it seems like almost every year you get to the mid-20s and there's a player there that you just can't believe mm-hmm. fell. So it it seems like they're in a good spot there in terms of maybe adding a guy that everybody's going to have mocked going in like the top 17. And, and he's right there. You don't have to trade up for him like you did with Devin Lloyd last year when he surprisingly fell. As long as you're not position-specific doing that, then you're all right. Which it kind of feels like they can be for some extent. I mean, obviously you're not drafting a quarterback or a running back. Right. Where you get in trouble late in the first round is when you say, I have to have this, and then you overdraft a position where the elite is already gone, which that's why a lot of teams don't like taking edge rusher there. They don't like taking left tackle there. Uh, But I went – at. At midseason, I assumed that they were going to have to draft corner because I figured they'd be picking in the top 12. I think maybe Darius Williams has played well enough since moving outside that that is not an absolute have-to anymore. When will you turn your attention to the mock draft season? Mock season. How long <laughs> can I wait? Like, <laughs> uh, probably, I will probably start looking at it early next week. Um, I usually say around the time of the Senior Bowl, I start looking at that. I don't know if I'm going to the Senior Bowl yet or not, uh, but that's usually about the time where it starts feeling appropriate. Got some time off? Going to Hawaii? Maybe the mountains? What are you doing? Not Hawaii. Season's over, you know. I'd like to kick this cough. Um, I'll probably spend coughing. the next couple of days trying to plan the off season a little bit yeah. and uh, probably low-key it a little bit. Yeah, you were so sick you didn't come to our dinner on Friday night. That was uh, – You were missed. Wow. 
You're yeah, that was a blow for me. Yeah, I, mean, I know. know. I, I, I like watching Lagerman in action because oh, there's nothing he's like, in his element. Yeah, it's but, like watching Picasso. There's no question when Lagerman starts because here's what he'll he'll go. Hey, you guys got any thoughts on apps? And before yeah. you can answer, he goes, "I'll order." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about size? You guys? Hey, what do you guys want? Uh, you know, how about if I order the size? He, he's the, great, like he's the greatest having, orderer ever. He's yeah, phenomenal. It's like having Doug on staff and not letting him call plays. <laughs> exactly. That is so true. John, great work all year, brother. We appreciate it. Thank Guys, you. Lauren, thanks as always. All right. Uh, one segment to go. Uh, Lauren will wrap the program with news and notes. Stay with us. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. News and notes, as always, brought to you by Doubled Up Sport Fishing Charters. Book a half-day, full-day, or even overnight private fishing charter aboard the luxury 50-foot Custom Carolina. You will not believe how gorgeous that boat is. With Captain John Sheffield, you will create memories you will never forget. Visit DoubledUpSportFishingCharters.com or find them on Facebook to book your charter. Doug Peterson met with the media today. Hayes, I know you had some big takeaways one thing we haven't talked about necessarily on the show today, but certainly throughout the game, Frank, I'm sure you noticed, the third down issues between Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk. That was one of the biggest surprises to me of the game. Multiple times Trevor fires to Kirk and it goes incomplete and they missed at least three that I counted. Third down conversions that would have been critical in the Jaguars' loss, obviously, now to the Chiefs, but critical had the Jaguars been able to beat the Chiefs. I think when teams, and we've seen it some this year, I think when the timing is off, and it certainly was. There, well, there's one time, um, I think it was Kirk, you're right, that I think Trevor thought he was going to sit down and Kirk quit running, kept running, so he thought he was going to sit down on his own. I think what happens on those plays, and it really happened this week, the Jags did not win the line of scrimmage. So when you don't win the line of scrimmage, you're having to let the ball go earlier than you want to. And I think I saw some of that, Lauren. Hey, I don't know if you saw it that way as well, but it looked like to me, there, he, he, like the interception he threw off his back foot, he was getting hit in the mouth. The, uh, there were times when he threw the ball behind somebody. I think he just had to let it go. There was one play. They had a screen set up to Evan Ingram. He's still running. He's left the state of Missouri by now. But, but Trevor, Trevor's had to throw a fastball because he had to get rid of it. I thought, I thought there were a lot of times that uh, the Chiefs got enough pressure that Trevor had to get rid of balls before he wanted to, and that spoke to some of the, some of the timing issues Lauren's talking about. Yeah, the Chiefs really did a good job with their blitzing and the timing of it. And the Jaguars, unfortunately, the communication Doug said after the game just wasn't where it needed to be, and it certainly affected it. One of your takeaways from meeting with Doug today, Calvin Ridley, the Jaguars won't really be able to do anything with him until April 17th. Yeah, it's not that far off. Uh, so they obviously they can't do anything football-wise. He has to get reinstated, but he'll get reinstated. He's already been suspended for a year. Uh, so he's going to get reinstated. Uh, but the key there, though, is while the coaches can't really have any contact from a football standpoint with Calvin Ridley, I mean, Trevor Lawrence could go throw with Calvin Ridley tomorrow if he wanted. I mean, he's not a Jaguars coach or, you know, so I think a lot of this will be player driven on getting, you know, whatever Calvin Ridley, whatever work he wants uh, prior to April 17th, which Doug did say is the start of the offseason program for the Jaguars. So that's just 84 days away. So we're just 12 weeks away. The The beauty of this run, uh, it, it, a supplemental, uh, you know, positive to it, is the off season shrunk by a lot. And I mean, 84 days is, is not very long. I mean, we have presidents and they grade them, you know, the first hundred days. Well, this is 16 days shorter than that. Uh, and we'll have the Jaguars back on the field in a voluntary uh, fashion 
But uh, but it'll be a lot of fun because we'll be able to talk to players and talk to Ridley. And is it okay with you if I get a few rounds of golf in between now and then? That'd be good. Uh, you can have two. Okay, good. There you go. Feel better. You have exactly eighty four rounds between right. now and, and that day. Thanks. Like you got to be kidding me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I well, say to her respectfully. The, <laughs> can we? You know? Can, can, can I? Can I? Can I slip down to a yeah. Springsteen concert between now? and I, now? I am okay. a sick man. I would. I would like it to be April seventeenth right now. Oh, God well, the bless early you. portion is certainly not as uh you know heavy on us either just the first few days are the otas and then right. we get a break and then there's the mandatory mini camp if doug has that this year so we aren't as involved until training camp begins and then obviously last year was at episcopal this year we'll be back at well yeah. not back but at the miller electric center you, for the first time you have to understand too bob april 14th or wherever you whatever date we're talking about april 17th okay, by april 17th you understand the baseball season about three three weeks old my team's only like three and twelve there. Okay, it's only twelve. Well, you guys have started kind of strong the last couple, right? <laughs> right. So it's only twelve losses. So I feel yeah. good about it. Hayes, you tweeted this out earlier today. NBC Sports says that the Jaguars at the Chiefs game was the most most watched Saturday afternoon divisional round game since 2015, with over 34 million viewers across platforms. The chairman referenced star quarterbacks, and you said bodes well for Jaguars' primetime attractiveness next season. Yeah, so this email comes in at 2.46, so I immediately become engrossed in it and forget I'm supposed to do the handoff. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, uh, I, I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was really good news yeah. because you've got MB, M- NBC Sports saying that they had uh, 34.1 million viewers across all platforms uh, with a peak of around 37 million But I really like this quote from their chairman. Um, He said, what an exciting way to cap our coverage of the 2022 NFL season with star quarterbacks and a one-score game for a berth in the AFC championship game. And then he goes on. But I thought that that – and the PR release talks every bit as much about Trevor Lawrence as it does Patrick Mahomes. And so I thought that was such a good sign that the Jaguars did a huge number. It was the best number that they've done in the – uh, afternoon since 2015 for the divisional round. That's a long time. Uh, and uh, so I just, it, it gave me some hope that maybe TV executives will right. see this number and say, we absolutely can put the Jaguars on Monday night football, Sunday night football, uh, you know, two or three times next year. And well, they're not going to get the, the right. f- maximum of five. But if they got a Sunday night game and a Monday night game, that would be incredible. Well, the bottom line to this, Lauren, is Trevor Lawrence will be the biggest star this team's ever had. May not be the best player. Tony Baselli, I don't know if there will ever be a better player than Tony Baselli. Uh, Fred Taylor, they're great. Jalen Ramsey, there have been great, great players here. But as far as stars, he'll be as big a star as we've ever had here because he plays quarterback. And, he, and we've known about him, the, the, the football world has known about him years before he ever became an NFL player. So he'll be, this will be the, the TV wants stars because people turn on television to watch stars. And Trevor will be the biggest star probably that's ever played here. We talked about the lack of a pass rush in the loss to the Chiefs. This stat, though, jumped out at me. Jacksonville ranked last in QBR allowed to tight ends during the season, not just in the loss yeah. to the Chiefs, but during the entire season. How does that get fixed? Well, number one, everything gets fixed with pass rush. That's first and foremost with pass rush. But the other part of it, you were covering tight ends with young players. I mean, the reality of it is you could see, you could see they kind of had Rayshon Jenkins on him to start the game the other day. But covering tight ends, one of the reasons, Hayes, that covering tight ends is so hard in today's football is with multiple with multiple receiver routes, your cornerbacks and safeties have to cover guys down the field, which is why those good tight ends work the middle of the field, and that's why they're so great. And that's why, that's why that George Kittle 
and Travis Kelsey are still playing, and Evan Ingram's not that far away from playing, and you're having to cover them with linebackers. And in the case of Jags, that meant young linebackers, and they and therein lied the problem. Yeah, again, I think Devin Lloyd is is going to be an underlying storyline in terms of this next season because we're going to focus more on Trayvon Walker because he was the number one overall pick, uh, and and kind of seeing how his year two goes. And and obviously, there's you've got Ridley, you've got Trevor's continued growth, you've you've got Etn. But so Devin Lloyd is is going to be, I think, a supplemental storyline. But it's a really important one because uh, Doug Peterson expressed confidence in Devin Lloyd uh, earlier today. That's got to be a, a big step. I mean, that that's that's how you solve that is you took Devin Lloyd with a late first round pick. He should be able to. I mean, I don't know about shut a player like Kelsey down, but certainly give you a fighting chance to not just get killed. Kansas City completed their their first 23 completions on Saturday. Kelsey had 14 receptions. 14 of the 23. And even when Henny came in he was he was even more open mm-hmm. when Henny was in the game on that right. drive than with Mahomes. It was uh and he's a, obviously he's a Hall of Fame player, but they've got to get better to your point Lauren week in and week out covering that position. It is it's a very difficult assignment, but you've invested heavily there with Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma. Uh, and and hopefully they will be better at it in 2023. Someone bet $5 and turned it into $72,795 because he correctly picked the players to score first in each of the four games of the divisional playoffs. Wow. Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard, Jamar Chase, and Dalton Schultz. But to the point of the tight ends, three of those four players are tight ends. Yeah. And, and, and obviously one of the best receivers in the league. Yeah, yeah, we're in an era now where tight ends are more dominant than they've ever been because the matchup, they're faster than they've ever been but they're still being covered by linebackers. And so it's harder than ever. You can't cover them with defensive backs very often because you got three receivers running down the field. That, that, that's, that's the problem. The Bengals are the only franchise among the Final Four without a Super Bowl victory. How about that? Yeah. There you go. They could be – it doesn't seem like this team is that much better than the team last year that lost to the Rams, but I think they have gotten better in subtle ways. They yeah. could certainly win the Super Bowl. Did you see most players on the NFL rosters in the AFC NFC championships as far as which college they went to? Take I a, did not. Take uh, a wild guess. Uh, Alabama. Alabama. That would be a good guess. <laughs> Alabama has four. This school has nine. Not in the in, in this this these last this, in this over coming the weekend? weekend. Oh, yep. this coming weekend. This coming is it weekend, LSU AFC because of all the. It had to be LSU. That is a good guess. It is not LSU. Ohio State? Nope. Nine? Uh, yep, is nine. Is it Georgia? It's actually Oklahoma. So oh, that's wow. how well Lincoln wow. Riley recruited when he was at Oklahoma. Oklahoma so has nine. Michigan nine. has seven. Florida, Georgia, and Ohio State, some of the guesses have six. I would never have guessed. I wouldn't guess Florida had six. Oklahoma's got nine. How wow. about that? Nine players this weekend. And I don't see LSU on the list, which is surprising, because it feels like they should be. Uh, so... Either way, that is a wrap for news and notes. We'll say hello to Rick Ballou next. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Rick Ballou's in the house. Rick, what a game. What a weekend, huh? Yes, it was. Um, You know, another one that was there for the taking. Self-inflicted wounds. And, uh... You know, I believe they lost to the better team, but, uh, you know, this club now, the next thing is is working on cleaning things up. You clean things up. You cut down on those self-inflicted wounds. You got a chance to win a lot of games. I mean, outside of Detroit, 
you can make a case that they could have won every single game they played this year. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and because of that, and because of how many they did win, Rick, one of the things we talked about throughout the course of our show today is the expectations have changed. Oh, yeah. The narrative changes now. Oh, yeah. Now, now they, they had an ex- – because of all the problems, they had an expectation-free season. I would think next year, heavy favorite to win the division – Double-digit wins would be the expectation at the very minimum, wouldn't it? Anything outside of Aaron Rodgers coming to either Indianapolis or Tennessee, that, that is absolutely the case. Everyone is going to pick Jacksonville uh, to win. And, and i got to tell you, you're right. It is, there's a grace period right now. There's some celebration right now. But that's going to change during the offseason. I tell you what, if they get knocked out next year in the divisional round, yeah. then that becomes disappointment yeah, that's right. because the expectations are going to grow. And, and we know that you know these teams in the AFC. You got young quarterbacks who aren't going anywhere. When you That's look at Mahomes problem. and Burrow and Allen, and if Tua can get back and get his uh, no pun in, no pun intended his head on straight. I mean, the AFC is loaded with filthy young quarterbacks. Well, that's the challenge. I said this earlier. Yep. Here's who that's bad news for. You know, it's bad news for it's for the Titans and the Steelers and the Ravens and the Patriots yep. teams that are used to going deep. Right. Now they got to deal with these guys. Yep. They got to deal with these young quarterbacks. Is that coming up tonight? All that coming up next couple hours. All right. Thank you, Rick. Rick Beluga's in tonight as soon as we get out of here. That'll do it for our program. Uh, back to a normal work week for us. Uh, that means Thursday back to 3 to 6 now that the Jaguar season has been completed. Uh, but tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. We're right here. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.